Matt, here in the United States, it's what I like to think of a national holiday. It is the beginning of the NFL football season. And because Cote, unfortunately, uh, is a little under the weather, we can talk about football. And uh, we, have a long <laughs> Sports. We, we can do one hour on, on football, but we won't. So uh, this but I think the uh, the tech angle here, as, as I like to call it, the the. Uh, uh, digital transformation. Here's my question is every year there's one website I for, totally forget about until football season. Would you like to guess yeah. which, which <clears throat> website that is? Uh, 10 yard torrents. <laughs> no, it's, it's <laughs> Yahoo because of my no. team, my over 10 years team, we have Yahoo fantasy football, right? We've been using, mm-hmm. I have a group I've been playing with, I think at least 10 plus years and we've been uh, on Yahoo using it the whole time. And so, so you would think, like everything else has moved off Yahoo, but it's from what I can tell, fantasy football is the last reason you have to have a Yahoo account because everybody I know that still plays, if, you, if you're playing fantasy football and you've been playing for any length of time, there was this moment where everyone agreed, Yahoo's the best. I know there's ESPN, there's CBS Sportsline, but mostly those other sites never got the traction. And so I think this is, uh, you know, it's like a legacy application. Um, I don't know if we could run a migration to get everybody off. I don't know if we could do the user <laughs> training. Like if we did user retraining and we said everyone had to move, we lose half the league. Half the league would just be like, yeah. that's it. I can't do it. So, um, so I, I want to commend well, Yahoo for making an incredibly sticky product, maybe unintentionally. Uh, but uh, I still have, and this is the one time a year I use it. So this is. Uh, are you that's, still using that's Yahoo? That's the business model. Um, I am not. <laughs> I mean, um, so so uh, disclosure. I work with uh, uh, some Yahoo companies. Um, you know, companies related to Yahoo, and they they all have a very similar business model, right? You have lots of different properties, and you see what sticks. And for some people, like yourself, uh, it's fantasy football. For others, maybe it was Flickr. Um, Apparently it wasn't Tumblr, but uh, you know you, you you bundle these things together and you 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 know you portalize it and you give away some email and some people are going to stick and uh, uh, I think I think one of my parents is still on Yahoo Mail, right? right. Still, still well, that. no, that's different. I think everyone has a Yahoo Mail address. I have one. Like, oh, I do. Are, you I, you I had get in. everybody has a Yahoo Mail email address, and I think most everyone should be forwarding that to your Gmail. That's the number one use of Yahoo. Mail is to although my wife sounds like you, you and my wife. My wife has an email. She's like, I never check it. And I'm always like, Why don't you forward it? You know, now we don't have to do any work. But then I just I don't ever ask a follow up question. I just say, Oh, okay, that makes sense to me. I don't know well, why you don't that, check that, it. That reminds me of like two tangents with my kids. One, um, apparently nobody under I don't know forty listens to voicemail <laughs> unless it comes from somebody over forty. Apparently. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, they're like oh right you know um hey but let's pause on that for one minute i think we yes. should give credit to i guess it's not even millennials i guess they're whatever whatever the, the the our generation our children are like kudos to them voicemail sucked voicemail was always bad <laughs> answering machines were always bad like it was never good it was never like oh great like the times you got a message you were excited and happy about getting to the times you got something that caused work or was just spam i don't know 100 yeah. to 1 so hey Everyone gets on these millennials and stuff like this and, the, and Gen Y or whatever, whatever uh, yeah. the, this new generation is like, good for you. You figured out right away. Don't engage in a bad technology. I don't blame them well, at all. And there are all those articles about things that uh, uh, millennials are killing. You know, they're, they're killing off, uh, what was it, Miracle Whip and, you know, uh, just things that are generally bad, like, you know, um, s- slow fast food 
you know, like Applebee's kind of places. Oh, and they're so like, you know, away. maybe they deserve to die. Right. And, and you know, yeah. good for them. But as the person who like dragged my parents, who bought my parents an answer machine, uh-huh. bought my parents a cell phone, bought mm-hmm. my parents a computer, set up their email and keep dragging them forward. Like uh, when I call my kids, I expect them to listen to the voicemail. And then secondly, back to the email thread, uh, I recently bought myself a vanity domain you know i couldn't resist the uh, the dot dev sale that google was was running and so i grabbed uh i grabbed a, a mattray.dev um and oh, i'm supporting nice. with it right but my kids think it's fascinating that when we we rock up to you know wherever it is i'm like uh, they're like what's your email address and i'll say like the name of the place at mattray.dev uh-huh. <laughs> and and you know you get the double take from from the person you know at the counter we, we bought season passes for a, a, a amusement park, and uh, you know, but my kids were like, "That's awesome!" <laughs> really? So, yeah, they're fascinated by by custom domains and email forwarding. So, there you go. Wow, incredible! Would you do all your uh, but, kids? But have... I don't forward my my Yahoo. So I, I don't understand that. That just makes no sense to me. But we'll leave that for another I, you day. Know, let it die. Let it die. You just don't email <laughs> me. It's like an answer. I, you know what? That's your version of an answering machine, Matt. Right I know. Now there's somebody. I know. I, I, your parents have been emailing you on that Yahoo account for years, and they're like, no, he never responds. No. And you're just like, I don't, I don't care anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. You know, this podcast and my parents are the reason I still use Skype, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to bring them over to like newer tech or Zoom or you not know, even God FaceTime. Forbid, you're not on FaceTime yet. I guess you don't. No, have they're not Apple people, right? Uh, well, I, I have a FaceTime account for my Mac, but uh, yeah. Um, it's hard dragging, you know, people through technology, you know, generation to generation. And seriously, is like, I mean, why? What's the benefit of, of teaching your parents how to use new video chat systems? Yeah, you know, they understand Skype. They understand Skype. That. It works. Okay, hey, you know, it's well, you know what? It's just like Yahoo Fantasy Football. It works, and people aren't changing. <laughs> yes, exactly. And exactly. Is, I wonder if, like, when I'm, like, you know, in my true retirement years if i'll still be playing yahoo fantasy football i'll be like the last one on it'll just be people in like uh like the over uh elderly complexes and you know and then just that's all that's left is like yeah this is the only reason yahoo's left is that's why people uh use well, fantasy won't, it, won't it be verizon fantasy football or oath fantasy football no oath, oath is gone they killed that one off and then Verizon, I don't know, maybe Verizon will, will eventually do it. But then, you know what? That may be the biggest strike Verizon ever uh, realizes is if they kill off the fantasy football and people are like, oh, now it, now now stuff just got real. You know, before you were just killing <laughs> off Tumblr and, you, you, you know, know, all this other stuff yeah. we weren't using. But now, oh, you're going to take away my fantasy football and ruin my 10 plus years of stats and my three championships. Now, now we're about to file some class action lawsuit right now. You know, I just realized the reason I have a, a Verizon email account is because I bought an AT&T email account. <laughs> so that's how I ended up on Yahoo. Um, was AT&T was bundling Yahoo accounts for uh, some reason. Yeah, well, um, we, that's a long-time uh, topic of software-defined talk. Never bun- never allow your, your telco to bundle anything with you because eventually they're going to unbundle, and, and you're going to oh, pay man. the price. Never do that. So, so, so bringing that back to Australia, uh, I'll, I'll put this in the show notes, but I was reading an article yesterday about uh, penetration of the national broadband network, which um, right now the fastest speed is 100 megabit. And, <laughs> and, and they're making multi-year projections on 100 megabit penetration, and they're, but there's like this little paragraph kind of tucked in there that like, 
Well, there does seem to be a decrease in uh, uptake as people flee to mobile carriers. I'm like, damn straight, I'm fleeing to a mobile carrier. Because, you know, you can get gigabit or multi-gigabit wireless. Uh-huh. But they're still, you know, talking about, you know, DOCSIS 3.1 upgrades and, and stuff like that. And, you know, impact the... I don't get it. I just don't understand what Australia... You know, sometimes I talk to you and I feel, I feel so much better about the United States, at least in this one area where I'm like, yeah, we don't... Like, I don't even think the internet's good here. It's not like Cote style where it's like everybody gets like a gigabit just for walking around. But it's at least, you know, at least you can get fast speeds without too much effort. Where it sounds like in the entire continent of Australia, it's just like... How can you guys be on a hundred megabit? Like, what went wrong? Like, like, <laughs> is it someone in charge? Like, do you not have like Cisco? Like, can you not? Can Cisco not? You know, mail some gear over? Like, what's going on, people? Um, well, I, I think um, there's a lot to unpack there. I think uh, we talked about it before. <laughs> Politics involved in broadband decisions never mm-hmm. a good thing. Um, monopoly carrier, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, and the funny thing is, like. The same backbone for the NBN is the same backbone for all the mobile carriers, too. So, ah, so it's just one, know, one just become... big happy family of slow internet is what you have there. <laughs> Matt, sounds yeah, like you should, you should start a campaign. Benefits. Faster no. internet. <laughs> That's it. Like, who's, who's against that? Like, I mean, who would be against faster internet? Guys, I'm going to bring you faster internet. Done. Probably, Where do I vote? Probably the same coalition that's pro-coal and anti-solar in Australia, <laughs> right? <laughs> Solar? How can you be anti-solar in Australia? Isn't it just one big <laughs> desert? Like, isn't there nothing but solar energy down there? Mm, yeah. So, mm. so yeah, Yahoo. Yahoo. <laughs> All right. So everybody that like me that uh, is using Yahoo Fantasy Football, congratulations! I just want to say welcome back to Yahoo. And you know what, guys? We complain a lot about Yahoo, mostly me, but it's like I'm still there for you. I'm going to be uh, refreshing uh, your mobile app later tonight. I'll be looking at my fantasy football players, hoping they do better. So, you know, good job. Job well done. You know, that's that's something Google cannot say they won. They didn't win fantasy sports. In fact, I'm pretty sure nobody at Google plays fantasy sports. That's That would be my guess. <laughs> they don't even know that they, it exists. Well, well, they, they, probably, they probably had a product that – you know, they they launched and shuttered it. <laughs> did they, they end up liked it before we even got out? Was there? Did we miss yeah. the blog post? Probably. What probably. did they end up like? That, Just the other day, nice. there was something else. I thought of you. They ended up with something uh, something relatively oh. new. I was like, oh, I didn't even use that one. Didn't even touch it. It was it so. was the Google Hire. There, oh there. yeah, did never had never touched it. So I didn't feel bad about oh. that one. I didn't. You know. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely definitely got to be some trepidation, but the uh, but but speaking of you know, seasonal product launches, the you know there was a a couple of threads in uh, in our Slack about um, things like uh, FIFA and some of the big yeah, um, games. esports yeah, titles. EA sports. That, uh-huh. Yeah, you have to hit the release date every year. You know it's coming, and you have that that slog of you know game development where you know they're going to work 50, 60, 70, 80 hour weeks as it gets closer and closer to that release date. Um, you know, it kind of ties into uh, some of the stuff in, in the DevOps report uh, and the, the DORA state of the, <clears throat> state state of the, of the industry report. Yeah, state of the union um, where, you know, there's always the thing there's they keep adding new layers to it. Uh, you know, things like, you know, how to avoid burnout and, and things like that. And every time I think about it, I'm like, you know, when you dive into these numbers, it says technology. I, pr- I bet there's probably not a lot of video game development reading this thing it's never felt really devopsy right the, yeah. the people i talk about in in, in uh video game industry it's super waterfall 
Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a movie studio, right? That's what people always say. It's like you just work all year for the one big release. But I do think it gets to our, th- our uh, you know first topic here: state of the state of DevOps reports. Dora, as you are, were referring to it. So we're going to do two things. So Kote has written up a ton on this. So we're going to cherry pick our favorite topic, and then next week we're going to talk dive into it even more. Wow, is that a cliffhanger? That was a little bit like a lost episode right there. Everyone will be in next week <laughs> for for this second. So the thing now, uh, now, now you be some obscure British uh, anthropologist, and I'll be a uh, philosopher. And guys, I imagine I just showed you a picture of a polar bear, and next week, you, <laughs> and you think it's going to be explained next week, but I'm going to let you on a secret. There isn't going to be an explanation. I don't know. Yeah, we're no, tired of polar bears. Nobody knows oh, wait, why there's said, a polar bear in Lost. I'm so bitter. <laughs> I could do a full hour on like my bitterness of Lost. I don't know how many years it's been. I'm as bitter now as I am the day of the finale. But nonetheless, we will, we will move on. <laughs> so the thing that jumped out at me in this, this year's report was uh, the purport, this was the quote. The proportion of our elite performers has almost tripled showing that excellence is possible. It just requires execution. So I guess what they said is, uh, you know, I think 8% of the people said they were, quote, elite performers, or the survey showed they were elite performers last year, and then this year it was just over, it's in like the mid-20s. And so my question was this. Are people actually getting this more elite, or are people better at taking the survey? Like, which which <laughs> thing do you think really happened this year? Is it really this many people are that much better? It's so loaded, right? Um, I mean, because uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw too many people under the bus, but I work with some organizations that I would not consider elite. <laughs> but do you think they and, rated themselves elite? That's the question. No, 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 no. no. They okay. they don't think they they rate themselves elite. But but the 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 silver lining is you know when you sit back and show them how far they've come, that they they definitely have made strong improvements, and so I think. It's possible there are some organizations that have, you know, they've they've made that leap from from high to elite, but I just I still don't buy it. Mm-hmm. I like, I, you know, I I I know I, I I've seen organizations go from low to medium or medium to high, but elite either either it's not elite enough or <laughs> well, it could just be or, self-selecting here, right? We could start yeah, with that. Yeah, like the people that to. take the time. Because have you actually uh, have you actually filled this survey out for oh, yeah. your organization? Yeah, yeah. Like, do you do it for yourself, or like, how does it work? Do you, do you do it just for yourself, or do you do it as the whole organization does it and submits it? Like, what's the what's the story there? Uh, I, you know, nobody from on high tells like you know chef employees go fill this out. You know, mm-hmm. it just kind of circulates around Slack, and I assume some people fill it out, and I usually just kind of click through and talk about the things that I know about, mm-hmm. you know, so they'll say like, how often do you, does your team release software? And it's like, I know our ops team releases, you know, daily as necessary. They can, you know, I know, I know how fast our pipelines move. I know that we make, you know, thousand releases a year or something like that. I mean, we do a lot of software releases. So, you know, chef might be elite. Um, but, you know, but also as I'm going through that, I'm reading through it to think about the organizations I work through that are like, you know, they're calling me at you know 7 p.m. on a Friday night saying we still haven't made our release this week. And I'm like, you know, two glasses of wine. Who's this? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a question. That but that's happened I think, every Friday for a month now, but whatever. Right. I think I feel like this should be like some new methodology is that the methodology is you don't take the survey directly. 
uh, a coworker or friend or another at another company takes the survey on your behalf, right? Or you take it and then you have to send it to them and then they have to then approve it. Like, does, does you know, do we actually believe Matt is elite there? Because, uh, so I think there's two things. So I guess you're two, why, why it could, I mean, reasons it could be possible. It's like one, self-selecting. The people that take a survey like this are more, much more likely to know about these processes and therefore be elite. But I, I think, uh, would you disagree with this statement, Matt? I, I believe we would say, as a whole, the entire industry, not 20% of the entire industry, is running an elite DevOps program. No. Right? Not no, even close. I, right? Like, we, on our hand, like, we know enough people to just immediately say, mathematically, it's impossible. We could just get on the phone and quickly put in an Excel spreadsheet and be like, we've well, identified enough companies that is mathematically impossible for 20% of all companies to be elite. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you look, it looks like they had about 1,000 respondents. Um, and there are like 10 people who are credited with reviewing the, the, the release. Those 10 people are elite, right? So that's already skewing your numbers if they filled out the survey. <laughs> yeah. So I think, uh, so maybe it's like, you know, to be fair to the survey, it's, it's probably one of these things as uh, we like to say it's, it's trendable, maybe not scientific, right? It's like, it gives you a good sense of like well, the people that take this year over year, are we seeing some uptake? But if you had to uh, like bet your life on this representing the entire industry, that would be crazy. It's just that would be a scientific poll, right? I I think it is it is a good report for the people who understand that this report exists. I think there's a large number of software developers who you know they they've heard the word DevOps, and if you tell them, say the word Dora, they have no idea what you're talking about, right? They're like <laughs> the Explorer, you know, like no. Um, there's this report that's been going out for years and, you know, I work with, those are the companies I work with. Yes. <laughs> right. And, and so the, you know, I feel like this, this, you know, the, the DevOps, the state of DevOps report is a good state of DevOps. Like the people who are aware of DevOps as a concept, mm -hmm. but the people who are doing software in the industry, like, I think there's a, you know, a silent majority there of people who you know, they're just, they don't even know. Right. right. They don't even know that they should take a survey that says they should take a survey that, that would tell them themselves that they're not elite. So, and of course, who wants to take a survey if they're not elite? So like, why would you? Right, I would, right. I wouldn't bother like, sir, uh, hey, let me put in this, uh, all this information to learn I'm mediocre or below average. It's like, no, thanks. I'll pass on that. <laughs> exactly. And and so like the, uh, I mean, and, and, and the people who took it last year know to take it this year. Yes. Right. And so, you know, there's, you probably it reinforces the numbers you get, and I'm sure you know having Google um, help spread the word uh, should like start paying dividends and getting more respondents. Um, uh, but but you know, maybe it's going to take a while. Mm -hmm. um, it you know there should be there should be um, more more respondents hopefully in the future, right? Definitely. So uh, here's the question. So I, I, I kind of picked out my uh, my favorite line or, or was as was around this elite performance. But you said you had a favorite slide. You said you had uh, <laughs> you actually went further. So why don't you tell us what your favorite slide is and why you care? Well, about it? my my favorite slide is slide sixty. Um, so slide sixty. I'm scrolling down to it is uh, the one about automation, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the one before it is about uh, open source, but uh, or you know, the slide 60 is the one about automation and integration by performance profile, having automated builds, unit tests, acceptance tests, performance tests, security tests, like the elite people have a lot more automation, 
You know, um, and and that's one of the things that you know, as I see customers move from you know low to medium or you know medium to high, it's because they're going into more automation. They're taking out the manual processes that are usually you know they're error prone, they're non reproducible, they take longer, and that is what starts to really move the needle. Um, and you know, we'll 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 talk some more next week, but uh, you know that's that's my slide. <laughs> Shocking. Shocking to hear you, Matt, of all people, would be interested in automation. I just, I'm just, that is, that's, that's one of these things that, that's like a lost cliff, cliffhanger. We just gave it up right there. I would have never guessed that that's really what you really cared about. No, no. My, you know, the lost cliffhanger would have been like, you know, I like the obscure 18th century reference on, uh, I'll leave it to you to find it. That's right. There, there's a picture. Like you, I know you gave it. Picture slide 60. It has a picture of something else in it. Can you figure it out? If you yes. figure it out and you tell us what it is, we'll award you something. I don't know what it is. We'll, <laughs> we'll figure, send you a brisket. All right, Matt. But um, So, you know, maybe you did take what, the DevOps survey. And maybe you're out there looking for tools and you're trying to figure out, you know, what else can I use to make my organization a little bit more efficient? You got any ideas of something, a uh, product or service people could use? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their application performance tools, PaperTrail. Diagnosing an application error, sudden spike in event messages, or a customer service ticket? Get to the root cause fast using PaperTrail, powerful cloud-based log management designed for engineers by engineers. With PaperTrail, you can streamline troubleshooting with LiveTail to see events in real time or search through hours of logs in just a few seconds. As you work, you can save searches and create alerts without leaving the event viewer, and there's nothing to install or set up so you can be up and running in minutes. And now, the brand new integration of PaperTrail with SolarWinds App Optics brings powerful application performance monitoring and distributed tracing together with log management, enabling you to identify performance and availability issues even faster while significantly reducing MTTR. To learn more or try Paper, SolarWinds PaperTrail for free, go to papertrailapp.com SDT and make troubleshooting fun again. And of course, we thank SolarWinds for being such a fantastic longtime sponsor. So, Matt, there was a little more, more controversy this week in the world of open source software. I think this 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 one is um, pretty blatant. So, uh, Search Guard users, and it was a little. Ooh. It was our friends at Elasticsearch, right? Wrote a, a quick little, uh, I guess, post uh, letting everybody know that you know Search Guard had uh, basically you know straight up copied, cut and pasted all their code yeah. uh, right oh, into yeah. the uh, into their product. So, and this seems to be one of these cases where it's, it's pretty cut and dry, right? It's, it's uh, <laughs> there's no nuance here. It looked like they uh, cut and pasted. Not, it's not just like, you know, me coding uh, off the internet where I'm just a couple lines, right? It's like yeah. entire sections of, of the product. They're like, and I guess we'll that, take this feature. Thank you. <laughs> and it was of their, uh, and they said it was even before that they had released their proprietary cl- code, I guess, online. So, I don't know. What do we think about this? Is this uh, <laughs> is this this blatant stealing? Is uh, is there another side of this argument we need to make? Like, hey, you can't do that. Is just the search guard just being like, hey, this is the way we roll. We don't care. Like, wh- wh- what do you think? Well, well, as of uh, September sixth, I haven't seen a search guard rebuttal. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Elasticsearch using their 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 uh, bully pulpit here. Um, you know, they filed a lawsuit uh, for copyright infringement, and uh, you know that's that's you know pretty serious. Um, but but the real thing here is, you know, there's by mixing your your licenses, you know, you're 
probably going to inadvertently get this from time to time. Um, you know, I'm not like defending uh, Floragun, GmbH. Uh, I'm not defending them, but you know, that kind of happens. And the Elastic is under a fairly liberal license. Um, but man, like Elastic, the company just took a blowtorch to uh, to uh, SearchGuard's customer base. <laughs> right because if you're a search guard customer you're like whoa uh you guys did what and you know it, it's not just like it's really bad for their reputation and if i was you know a a uh um search guard customer i'd probably be a little uh a little peeved and, and questioning what's going on there so um you know, even if they settle quietly settle the lawsuit, it's going to have a big impact on on SearchGuard, I would assume. Oh, totally. And I do think they even put in there, Elasticsearch even put in there a little note that they've got security solutions, right? I think it's actually, yeah, it's like <laughs> Elasticsearch now includes free security features by default, which help, which will help you ensure you don't need to run unprotected cluster. So it was, it was uh, I don't know, I guess it's kind of the double whammy. It's like, first, you're doing illegal things and we need you to stop. Second, we have all the things that you need. You should just use our product. So, uh, yeah. So it's just interesting. I've never, um, I guess I've never seen, but it's just it is interesting that it was very blatant. The other thing they even said. So I guess the the, the source code that was before, I guess they did some kind of decompiling or something around along those lines. So it's like I mean, it's actually pretty sophisticated in this case. It seems like it was far from, and it, and it is your point as well taken. The fact that we haven't heard from anything from SearchGuard. I mean, we should obviously they're going to post something. At some point, I guess it just means the lawyers are frantically uh, reviewing something, right? That that's usually what happens when it takes a long time. It's like the lawyers, are like, whoa, 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 we gotta, no, no, that draft wasn't good. I got some red marks. So, <laughs> or, or, or maybe they're appealing to like the EU uh, Commerce Department or something. Like, can we get that taken down? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that maybe is right. Does that have a cookie policy? Can we take that down? Yeah. Uh, can we... <laughs> <laughs> like what loophole could we GDPR that thing? Yeah, right? let's G- exactly let's GDPR that thing. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's it, it is interesting. I think it's kind of interesting. Elasticsearch has sort of just emerged as kind of this. I don't know. Like I think of them as being pretty chill, but now it's like they seem like they are kind of taking on all comers, multiple fronts. Right? It's like changing the licensing model making sure that they protect, you know, what I think they think their core IP and then being very diligent. I don't know. Like, do you see a lot of, can you think of another time where someone so openly, uh, basically was called out like this? I, mean, I can't try, I'm trying to think. I mean, it must happen Not, Even at chef. It must happen. People must be doing crazy stuff with you, you, all your stuff pre, pre before uh, open source. <laughs> well, not, not, usually like chef, uh, has always had a very liberal, uh, enforcement policy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, you know, we, we never turn things off, right? So we'd have customers who, you know, they might've missed, you know, their, their license might be up by a month and we're like, Hey, you're going to get that fixed. Right. And they're like, yeah, we'll get it fixed. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, and then we just kind of work through it and, you know, cause this just in enterprises are slow and, <laughs> you know, getting through their procurement sometimes takes a long time. And so, you know, you never want to be the hard ass, um, because, you know, most of your users have nothing to do with like licensing, right? Um, and, and so we haven't had a lot of you know real infringement. You know what what we historically had were 
um, you know, people just take the Apache stuff because, you know, it's under that license and they do whatever they want with it right. and they are allowed to. Right. And so, you know, we weren't mixing our, our commercial with the open source, you know, so the, the commercial stuff was fairly like divided off over to the side. And now that it's all open source, you know, now we're having more of the conversations of, hey, do we have to actually keep paying you guys? You know, what can we get away with not paying for? Um, so maybe we're sliding into that. I don't know. Mm. But but there's not we, – we, we've never really had a problem with straight-out code theft. Yeah. You know, but when, when you see things like GPL enforcement, that's where, the, you know, I don't recall anything being as – overtly contentious but you know the the uh the gpl pitchforkers you know they usually reach out to organizations like uh the fsf and and uh the the uh i can't remember the name the free software conservancy or whatever they, they call themselves and they will reach out to those organizations that are infringing and you know usually discreetly get things worked out no nobody usually just like you know hey you know, go ahead, burn us to the ground. Like that doesn't usually happen. Um, cause most people are eager to avoid litigation. Um, I, you know, people, organizations, <laughs> corporations, people, corporations people are, and corporations yeah. are corporations are litigation. Yeah. So I don't know. I um, think it comes down to, uh, I, you know, kind of two thoughts going forward though. It's, it's one is like, does any of this affect Elasticsearch in any way? Like does the customer base, like if you're out there and you're looking for a solution you know, and kind of in the world that Elasticsearch is playing, is like, do you just kind of want to stay out of all of this? Like, is this just another <laughs> thing? Like the fact that like, yeah, this, it sounds like this case is completely wrong. They're just enforcing, you know, their own copyright. But, you know, I just wonder sometimes if, if you're on the buying side of this, right? You're just like, I don't know, guys. Maybe we should just, you know, like does this, if you will, inadvertently send someone to AWS or somewhere else? Like, hey, let's just stay I out of this. Or does it is it like is it just like nobody's watching like only we're talking about this nobody else really even <laughs> let's hope not it's just <laughs> us and our listeners um, no I I think customers do notice these things um, and I would hazard a guess like I don't think this actually hurts Elastic um, I think it probably shows their customers that you know they are you know they are looking out for you know. The competition. Um, they are aware that they're walking this this fine line. But I mean, if if you're an Elastic customer, I don't think you're like, oh, those guys are enforcing their copyright against that scrappy commercial company, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you know, no, nobody's going to be on the side of the copyright infringers. They're like, you know, sorry. Yeah. If anything, I think it probably just makes it look more, if you will, more enterprise worthy, right? Like, hey, we're a serious company. We have these licenses. This is yeah, what you get. Yeah. This is the support you I don't get. Think it hurts. And you know, we're and you know, when you do business with us, you know, we expect us to um, you know, to be professional and enforce a copyright. So it's it's just interesting. I don't know. Elasticsearch doing a good job. Every few weeks you're providing good topic for software defined talk. So we look forward. <laughs> we look that, forward that, to you so do, you know, doing something in the next next week that we're gonna talk about. Well, the other uh big news, you know, Matt is uh Matt Assay. You know, from Docker, he had, or from, not from Docker, from now from AWS, wow. but more importantly, yes. uh, he in his Tech Republic uh, column, he he poses the question: Why doesn't anyone weep for Docker? So, Matt, why aren't you weeping for Docker? That's what I want to know. <laughs> probably, probably because I don't have any stock options. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, I think the the article kind of dives into some of the uh, some of the reasons that people are not. Um, nobody's like, oh, you know, those poor Docker guys. I mean, like if 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 somebody were stealing Docker's code, obviously uh, I would probably be defending them. Um, but a lot of their practices as an organization and a community member kind of push people away. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to get too much into it because, you know, I, I have previously worked with Docker uh, in a professional <laughs> capacity. <laughs> well, I think, and maybe just to set it up a little bit more is that, you know, what Matt was, uh, Matt Assay, of course, as I, like, I talked to him as if I know, um, you know, what he's basically alluding to is that, you know, with the VMware announcements, I think was sort of what, you know, kicked it off in his mind with all, so many people writing about, um, you know, Kubernetes and Kubernetes really is the foundation. And you know, basically all these companies are going on to like make money by selling or providing some type of Kubernetes service. Uh, you know, his point is just like, you know, basically Docker just missed the boat, right? And in there, he, he takes, I would say, like a very unscientific, you know, kind of Twitter poll and ask you know, some of the various uh, people, why specifically did, um, do they believe that Docker, you know, one, didn't do so well, but then two, like, why don't people feel, feel bad about it? Like, why don't they think, oh man, I really wish Docker got some money out of this. And, and so, you know, one of the things in there, I think he alludes to, or in effect, your old, our old friend, uh, Adam, Adam Jacob, right? You now he kind of says that, you know, maybe Docker didn't embrace it, uh, embrace the community as much. And he's on record as saying that, but, uh, and I think there's a lot of, you know, those types of discussions in there, but I, I kind of think to myself that maybe it's, it's just simpler, right? The, the idea that, you know, containers was an idea that had been around since maybe the dawn of computing, right? And Docker, to its credit, like I think you can go all the way back to the mainframe, right? That was the first time you can run some type of, you know, separate instance. Jails. And then there's jails yeah. and there's zones and, you know, the list goes on and on. So, and of course, even Docker started as a different company. They didn't start out with containers, right? It started out as a, their own paths or yeah. whatever. And, and then they morphed into it. So they sort of, not, I wouldn't say stumbled, but they definitely kind of, if you will, took the lid off like, Hey, here, yeah. here's a way that we can use containers. But at the same time, it's not like anything happens independently. We should all, all always go back and look at, at that point, I think, you know, Silicon Valley is flooded with all these people that either worked at Google or used to work at Google. And everybody that seems to work at Google wants to go somewhere else and then recreate the tools they had at Google, right? Borg and the various other things. And of course, you know, I think if you're sitting at Google, it's just like, oh, wow, we've been using this container idea forever, right? Like for like 10 plus years, this is our bread and butter. And so that sort of like wakes them up to be like, yeah, we got to get a version of this out, right? And we want to get a version of this out and being Kubernetes. So it isn't so much that I think Docker, like, you know, maybe they were good in the community, maybe they're bad. Maybe there was lots of, you know, things that from a personal standpoint, people could, you know, say were good or bad, but it's more like, hey, you just woke up at a time that you jumpstarted an environment, but it just happens to be that the people that had this, the best orchestration pl platform was you. It wasn't you, it was Google, right? And that's why you just got over, you basically got run over by a truck. And I've, you know, my thought on this is like, just like when you go back in time, like VMware, like again, same idea. Virtualization had been around for a, that idea had been around for a long time, right? But then VMware popularized it, and then too, there wasn't an immediate 
other player. It wasn't like, oh, there's another player that's immediately now announcing uh, a competing solution, right? Like even Hyper-V from Microsoft, right? That was sort of competing with Microsoft's Slider, model. Yeah. And so they weren't yeah. like rushing it out. So VMware had this opportunity to, to build out the entire ecosystem of management and orchestration and scheduling on top of that, which of course went on to make this whatever huge 40, 50, I don't know how much they're worth, $80 billion company. Um, and, and it's just a different situation. So it isn't to me, I don't look at it like, Hey, these it's good or bad, or we should feel bad for them. It's just like they launched themselves into a certain market, but there are other dynamics at play and they just weren't in position to ultimately capture the value inside the orchestrator. Right. doesn't mean they can't still make money. It's just like thing, you know, and again, this is kind of back to like, I don't think there's anything they could have done. Right. You could have foreseen all of these different things. Maybe you could have been nice in the community, but Kubernetes was still coming. So what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes and no, right? So I, I definitely think, um, I mean, Kubernetes was a concerted effort by Google to you know, redefine the industry. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, saw, they saw that they had a good thing going, and they saw that, uh, you know, if they could control that roadmap a bit, maybe they could get people into their way of thinking. Maybe there was a long-term strategy around GCP and containers, and that was going to be the future. Um, you know, that's still playing out, but, uh, you know, that, uh, probably didn't turn out exactly the way Google wanted, but they did want Kubernetes to become u- ubiquitous. Uh, there's definitely, if you look at the number of people who went in and out of Docker, uh, it was a lot of people, right? <laughs> I mean, sure. a lot of like big names in the industry, uh, came and went kind of fast and like, you know, the, the the article talks about you know designing out the community. There was a bit of ivory towerness to some of their implementations, and so when people started looking at that tower and saying, "Well, you know, you don't need you know you don't need this basement on your tower. We can make a you know a sep- separate basement that is just a basement, right? <laughs> Instead of you know the foundation of an ivory tower, you know they slowly took this thing apart and broke it into pieces and. Um, yeah, I don't think there was ever like a don't contribute to the community, but I think there was a, hey, this is how we're doing it. You should do it our way. And people kind of pushed back on that a, a bit. And, uh, you know, and here we are, uh, you know, Red Hat 8, uh, no Docker in it uh, for the next uh, 20 years, I guess. And, uh, you know, it's kind of moved on. And, and now Docker is a, a Kubernetes company, too. So, um <laughs> You know they'll they'll probably uh, find a way to you know no idea how their their money's going but uh, probably if uh, given given the chance they would have taken that a billion dollar acquisition offer that was rumored um, yeah I bet they'd take that today oh definitely so. without a doubt well I mean I know we know their CEO and people have moved on so that's sort of always an indication that the opportunity isn't what it once was but I don't know I, I do kind of come back to maybe the way to say it is that. I think Docker, it's fair to say maybe Docker overplayed its hand, right? I think it maybe had felt like it had a stronger hand than it did. But even if they were, you know, quote unquote, you know, nicer in the community or built a bigger community, I don't necessarily think they're in a much different place today. I don't think, you know, like I said before, like the Kubernetes is coming. I don't think they were going to suddenly, you know, head that path off, right? Because, and then of course the industry, um, was very much, you know, all of the cloud, major cloud providers, as well as, you know, all the technology providers, you know, sort of trying to prevent the next VMware. It's like, yeah, as soon as that happens, it's like, yeah, let's all agree. And the kind of where we are today, 
We're all going to agree to use Kubernetes and we'll compete in a different layer of the stack or a different set of services. We don't want another VMware um, unless we are, right? All, all companies, no one wants the next VMware unless they are the next VMware. So in that case, I think they, they got neutralized pretty fast. So I don't know. I, I think I always come back to it's like it's not so much about weeping. It's just about like, hey, man, circumstances. It happens, right? They made, <laughs> they took their chance. And I, and, you know, I think, you know, as we talk about all the time on Software Defined Talk, they had the option, right? They could have raised a lot less money and probably sold and, you know, for the founders and the people there probably made more money um, or they could, you know, swing for the fences, right? Be the next $100 billion enterprise uh, software company. And, you know, that today does not look like that's going to happen. So I don't know who's to say, like, if you're in that seat, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe you, you always swing for the fences if given the opportunity. In hindsight, taking some money and like living on the beach, that sounds pretty good too. So that would be- All right, I, I, I'm gonna put this out right now. I'll take your billion dollars. You take your billion dollars? <laughs> All right, well, guys. I, I'm ready. Software, I'm ready. Software defined talk. We stand, we stand committed. <laughs> One billion dollars, we're, we're done. We're, Sorry, Kote. We sold out while you were gone. We're ready to sell. So, uh, all right. Then one other final thing this week, I saw our friend uh, Chris. I'm just going to say Chris A. Because I never want to say his last name. A friend, uh, running the CTO over at the CNCF. You know, he's, he he wrote about the troubles with the gig economy. And I think, you know, this whole idea of the tip jar. So I think I'm going to summarize this really well written long article. It's like, yeah, that's not enough. Working for tips and software <laughs> is is not going to work. And I think his point is is basically, hey, you got to build some some real companies or build some real value um, to find reasons to for people to pay you. You can't just rely on tips, right? And I think, I don't know, maybe it's nothing new, but I thought it was a well-written article, something something good to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think uh, over on uh, over on One Trick Mafia, they interviewed uh, somebody who was a software developer and a JavaScript, I believe, mm-hmm. tool. You know, that was he was working off the, the tip jar model. And, you know, it was working for him. And so uh, probably that blue link, a uh, handful of individual maintainers making money. Um, there's a small number of people and, uh, it's probably easier in countries with a better social network than the U S. Um, like, you know, if you have to worry about benefits and healthcare and all that stuff, uh, it actually becomes a detractor for, you know, striking out on your own and, and trying to, to do that, uh, model. Um, you know, I, the thing that I actually crossed my mind as I was reading that, I was like, why doesn't Patreon offer healthcare? <laughs> but but I guess that's kind of the GoFundMe model of uh, open source. <laughs> it's like people be like, I'm gonna need a Patreon for my healthcare. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean the real the real realistic truth is, you know, there are very very few people who are doing open source uh, for fun uh, on the side or you know individually. Uh, on the side, it's majority like large organizations, uh, probably probably the sort that would fill out the Dora report, um, <laughs> are are producing a lot of open source software. Uh, you know, uh, if it, like rewinding back to the Dora report, there was something like uh, a disproportionate number of respondents from companies of over ten thousand people, mm-hmm. and so like. That's probably companies like, you know, like your IBMs and VMwares and Microsofts who are contributing a lot of open source software because that's their day job, right? And then like the second tier of, of open source contributions is people with like steady day jobs who use those tools and are contributing like, you know, the 
the you know the long tail of bug fixes there's really not a lot of people who you know sit at home and you know code it up and hit up the tip jar and they're like you know sweet you know now i can buy health care for my family of five you know that just doesn't that happen, happen. That happen a lot. <laughs> yeah so i mean i think we say that all the time too it's like hey you want to work in open source get a job that pays you to work on open source or maybe even better i think you run into this be a consultant develop some really weird niche skills like i don't know mainframe compliance and all this other stuff and then it's like you make you basically can work on open source projects that help you to do your job in your spare time while you're making kind of the the big high dollar high uh hourly salaries um hourly rates rather um while you're doing your kind of obscure uh configuration of hard to find skills in the it world i think that's always yeah, a good way that- to go that's that's probably a, a good talk for uh, for legacy comp where you know hey I do all this work in open source AS four hundred please find me and join me. <laughs> I think it's just the opposite. Could... I think it's like no, just put your information out. It's like hey, when you guys hear about the AS four hundred, no one wants to do it. I'm happy to do it. Five hundred dollars. Well, that's hour. what I'm saying. Five hundred dollars an hour. Source it. All you, you JavaScript. Well source it. I was gonna say all... because. Because if you find the one person out there who's interested in it, you know, you're going to want their patches. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you just hire them. You're like, and, and they're not competition. Yeah. They're not competition. That's they're in right. Lithuania, right? There is you no know? competition. That's so true. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole legacy conf. Yeah, job security. Learn the arcane, crazy platform no one else wants to. And let, let, let everyone else chase Kubernetes and, you know, JavaScript exactly. and uh, Go and all the latest frameworks. Be like, hey, I'm fine back here. I'm fine. Every, yeah. year, every year you guys keep moving on just means my hourly rate goes up another $20 an hour. I'm happy with that. Exactly. I, I actually had some I, – I tweeted uh, something about looking at uh, AS400 stuff, and somebody sent me a link to uh, Operating Systems Handbook for faking your way through many and mainframe systems. <laughs> so I hope to never read that document, but thank you. Yeah. Well, it's funny today uh, You know, there was some conversation. Someone's like – we were doing some stuff and someone's like, yeah, the AS400 person, they're like, don't, don't email them, leave them alone. They have some specialized skills. We don't, we don't, we don't bother them. I was like, I understand. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, don't like they dictate the terms about how they're communicated to. And it's like, we don't, and it's like, we get it. It's, it's just like, you know, just like football, Antonio Brown, he wants his own helmet. He gets his own helmet, right? He gets we, his own helmet. We right. do. We, we work around. You have AS400, we'll find you a helmet. You're doing some JavaScript. We're not that worried about it. We may cut you. We may cut you tomorrow. We're like, that's fine. We got plenty of people to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's always more Node.js in the, in the banana standards. Baby. A lot of Node.js. But hey, for all those people that are going to go Legacy Conf in 10 years, just stay on Node.js because it's going to be, at one point, it's going to be boring. No one wants, is going to want to do it. No one's going to know how it works. So just, just, keep, just keep current on those skills and your salary, <laughs> salary will go up. Node.js on the mainframe, I mean, we're talking $1,000 an hour right there. I mean, they just, no one's going to be able to help you with that. Uh, all right, we've got a few other things. We'll just send them real quickly. One, and uh, just just hysterically funny, I think, uh, XKCD, they got pwned, right? I guess everyone lost their passwords, which is just, it's, I think it's hilariously funny. I just find that, I don't even, I think if you're reusing your password there, then then you just deserve what happens. So hopefully they figured it out. But uh, I haven't seen, have they been using that as content? Have they been making fun of themselves for the last week or so? Is that... Is that- like really that new a brief uh, it was july 2019 yeah. huh i mean it's fairly um, new 
Someone wrote yeah, someone in, the, in the in the wow, Slack channel. Wow, a million comprised accounts. Somebody was saying is nothing <laughs> is, is nothing sacred. Like why why go after this? It seems like this is a fun place. You know why would you do it? Yeah, it's fine. So yeah, XKCD. If you've been using that password for anything else, time to change it. Um, but I, I look for it. I think it's going to be uh, good content. And then of course there was the the Twitter thing. I don't think we got to it last week. You know Jack Dorsey. CEO of Twitter, his account was hacked, and I guess they figured out the reason it was done was uh, through social engineering, uh, basically a SIM swapping. So they convinced, yeah. uh, I don't think they said the carrier, likely AT&T, but don't, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Or I don't know it? anything. Um, anybody. They switched out the SIM, and then they used that uh, to get us to a fake code, which, of course, spawned this whole thread on Twitter. But like Brian Krebs, everyone's like, well, he did it wrong. And then it, all these security nerds, uh, and of course I was reading it, everyone starts arguing about the, be- the best way to do 2FA. And I'm just like, this is the problem, guys. Like, you know, in this thread, there are like 10 different approaches. Everyone's like, use a code. The code doesn't work because I move my phone and I SMS, and then I shouldn't do this. And it's like, well, this is the problem, guys. It's really way too complicated. But then it turns out that uh, Twitter temporary shuts down the ability to tweet via sms which is hilariously funny because that is the feature that they launched on that was the entire that was twitter for the longest time that was the entire thing <laughs> so the core twitter feature that's launched this entire revolution has now been disabled so nice job wow. nice job everyone ruining twitter who said who th- I, no one thought twitter could be ruined more well there it is and then the final thought i was like who is still tweeting via sms that's my other question like what are you doing where you're like you know what i'm not gonna put the client on my phone i'm just gonna i'm gonna use the old sms interface that would be like almost yeah. like is there an emacs twitter interface is that like does that exist you know in some way there's probably like a twilio you know if this then that like <laughs> testing harness for for twitter uh sms um yeah that that you know what that's legacy comp content. That's legacy. That's right. Legacy comp. We'll <laughs> the guy who was maintaining SMS. that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so there's a little bit of Twitter, and then um, R, uh, RSSS. R, well, I can't even speak. RSS is back. Right. We've all mourned the loss of Google Reader. Still sad every day. I get up. I, I'd like a little Google Reader. But Net Newswire 5.0. It's uh, been. It's, it's the RSS reader. It's been rebuilt from scratch. It's free. It's open source. I think it's only available on the Mac. But if you've been looking for an RSS reader. Looks like you can use Net Newswire, but I don't know now. Now you know it's funny. I complain about there not being Google Reader, but I'm like, I don't know. Would I really take the time to like actually go to Google Reader if it existed today? I at least want yeah. the option though. So, and then what are you talking about? What is this Vienna? What is another RSS reader exist? <laughs> well, that that's the thing. Like when back in the day, when when I was using RSS, like I used a, a tool called Vienna Open Source, and it's a Mac OS. Uh, native uh, open source RSS reader, and I switched to it when everyone else switched to Net News Reader or whatever. I switched to Vienna, and it was always pretty slick. Uh, it's been open source for like ten years plus, and it does RSS reading. I mean, that, that's all there is to it, right? And um, I always found it fast and reliable and useful, and but I just kind of stopped doing RSS when everyone else stopped doing RSS, but I stopped for a different reason. <laughs> you know, other people were like, Google took it away. And I was like, uh, yeah. I don't have time for this. Yeah, so maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. We, we say we want RSS, but really deep down, we don't. And maybe that's maybe that's what the Google people would tell us, Matt. We make fun of them for end-of-lifing stuff. They're like, you guys say you want it, but then you never really read it. And it's like, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. you're right. But you know what, Google? You we're still going to complain. We're still going to complain <laughs> about it. 
Yeah, you guys say you want to do recruiting, but we're taking Google Hire away. <laughs> That's right. You didn't want to do it. You're on a deed. So, all right. Well, listen, let's get out of here. We've got a little bit of feedback. We'll go over uh, James from Omaha. He wrote in, asked for a sticker, so we sent him one. We always appreciate getting that. And if you want a sticker, here's what you got to do. Send me your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Uh, and if you send me a post address, we'll send you stickers free. So there's, that's it. That's all you got to do. There's nothing other than that. Simple. Always love it. And uh, as I always say, pretty much we can send stickers around the world. Haven't run into a place where I can't s- send a sticker yet, but I look forward to it. Uh, we are going to pay off Professor Jeremy. Somehow we're going to send him a brisket. I don't know why we made that. <laughs> that was not a good idea. I don't know who came up with that idea, but like I'm looking into it. I'm on it. We're going to find <laughs> it. it. There's a way to do it. We're going to do it. So look forward to that. that um, that's why we have sponsors to fund our brisket delivery. Yeah, we'll get it done. Don't worry, Professor Jeremy. We're going to get you a brisket. And just We just have to figure it out. Uh, other important thing, I just because we all the Costco news, is we cover it. There's a 75-pound uh, block of cheese they're now selling. I, our 72-pound wheel of cheese that Costco is selling. So if anyone buys it, let me know. I want to know how that goes. I will not be buying the 72 pounds. What, what weight is that? Why 72 pounds? I don't know. I guess it's, hey, we make a big round so circle like, of cheese. That's what it comes out to, 72 pounds. kilos? I don't know. We don't do metric on this show. <laughs> uh, and then if Cote were here, he would tell you he's going to be at a bunch of conferences. They're probably all good, but the one he probably really wants you to go to is the Spring One platform. It's October 7th and uh, to 10th. It's here in Austin, Texas. You can find Cote. He'll be down here eating barbecue, I'm sure. And then most importantly, Matt, how are we doing? November 2nd, we still on track for the Emacs conference? Is he gonna do the key, you're going to do the keynote? Yeah. Talk was submitted. Uh, talk was submitted. Yet. All right. Oh, do we do we have I to vote it. on I it? Submitted. Do we need to no, vote? I, I, it's a little bit uh, opaque. I did oh, not. Okay. Um, sorry, Emacs people. I didn't go into the IRC channel. Oh, uh, so. All right. I just blindly submitted my talk into the ether. I got a confirmation. They received it. Okay. All right. Well, let us know yeah. if we need to unleash the software-defined talk army on uh, some kind of voting. Because we, I want you in. <laughs> I want you in on that. If there's something we're going to accomplish, getting you on that Emacs com- yeah, uh, conference talk. Of course, talk. it'll probably be like Europe-based, and I'll have to wake up at like 2 a.m. to give my talk. It'll be fantastic. Thanks. Thanks, Don't worry. Army. Don't worry. We're going to take a video of it, and we're going to make sure it's available forever. It'll be one of the oh. few software-defined talk videos that we've we've actually done. Matt, uh, with all that said, you got a recommendation for us this week? I have an anti-recommendation. Oh, I have okay. an anti-recommendation. So, you know, we, we started the show off talking about uh, football season. Um, I am a bit of a college football fan. Uh, but as you may know, I'm in Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, because of the tangle of rights and uh, – time zones and stuff. It's hard to watch sporting events down here. And so uh, uh, my anti-pick is the fact that you can't just go and download a football game 48 hours after it's over, Mm, right? Like I can't go to ESPN and say like, you know, that game on Saturday, it's Monday morning. Can I please download it now? Mm. You know, it's, I mean, this is, this is is like, you know, two day old fish or whatever that, that saying is like, this is, you know, old news. Why can I not? I, I'd happily pay for it. Mm-hmm. I would pay pay the NFL or the NBA or whoever for that content, but it's not available uh, to me, and so I end up uh, having to find alternate sources of my football. All right, Matt. I mean, we may we may need to talk offline, Matt. Maybe I can help you. I'll find somebody. <laughs> That's sad. I don't want. I want you to get your yes, football because I was going to say the number one. You know what the number one export from the uh, Australia to the United States is this year during football season? Punters. Punters. When I watch. <laughs> 
every college football game. They're like, there's like a 30 year old guy, Australian that used to play Australian rules football and he's now punting. And it's just like, like how many huh. punters does Australia have? have you, Evidently have you, have a lot. Seen, have you seen the, the punter from Miami, the university uh, of Miami? Yeah, that's the best. Yeah, we'll put got... him in the show notes. Oh, okay, all right, we'll find him. We'll get a picture of him. So yeah, we appreciate it. I mean, Australia, like we don't probably send you guys anything for sports, but we appreciate you sending all these punters. So uh, and they've revolutionized the game with I guess their drop was it drop kicks or their drop punt style. So anyway, we love it. All right, well I'm gonna go. Uh, you know, Kote, he, you know, he's got he's back with his newsletter and he wrote about this week about uh, basically transportation and it, um, there's a new book out it's called super pumped it's about uh written by mike isaac who wrote uh the book about uber and it's sort of like a a deep dive look into like all the cr- shenanigans that went on at uber so i'm about halfway through i love this stuff you know i can't can't <laughs> i can't complain about it so if you want to know what went on and all the craziness of uber and just like gray ball and just like i don't know i'm just amazed how many things they did they had all these like secret spies like um actually spying on public officials so it's just crazy what went on you can uh, definitely listen to the book i think it's good i also put in there because i always like some free stuff if you, you're not sure you're ready to do the whole book you, there's a short article on it and there's also a podcast interview uh with the author so that's like becoming the new free way to like get content it's just listen to an interview with the author of the book and then you don't have to read it you know you basically get all the good parts but if you want to you can't so um so yeah lots of uber shenanigans uh and uh, matt has just nicely posted the australian punter so don't worry if you if you want to know what he looks like maybe look down at your phone and we'll we'll maybe hopefully make him the show notes this week so all right with that we will talk to you next time bye-bye